0: I'll be reading from the NIV, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon you, our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you.
1: You've been hearing a lot this morning about uh, Gary Dickinson. And um, since I've been blessed to occupy the seat of Moses, although I'm standing here, Um, I wanted to share with you what I know I met because I met with um, Paul um, Dickinson and his wife and uh, spent about an hour debriefing with them. Gary's uh, life support system will be turned off on Monday at 1 a.m. The family decided to allow additional time for people to come and, um, a- and visit, visit with Gary, visit with the family. The nursing staff informed um, the family that as soon as they turn off the life support system, Gary uh, will depart this life and uh, dive into Yeshua's arms which is what he's been wanting to do all his life or as a believer and um, God is certainly able to perform miracles however what I have been led to pray for is for Shalom for Gary you can only imagine what it it is like um, to lose consciousness to be brought back into some form of consciousness and life. And uh, I'd like to ask that we pray for him, above all, that, that the Lord's presence uh, would hover over him, and that if this is indeed his time to leave and go to be with the Lord, that it would be peaceful for him um, and for his family. One of his sons is particularly uh, not doing well. He's distressed. And so we need to pray for God's redemptive work to be done in the life of the family. And folks, i tell you, uh, I don't know a single person who likes these kinds of occasions. I certainly don't. But what I've come to see over a number of years is that these situations provide an opportunity for the family to come together and above all, they provide an opportunity for God's redemptive power to be at work. You say amen to that. And so we want to pray that the Lord would draw the family closer, not just to each other, but first of all to themselves, as, uh, that the family would become closer We don't know at this point um, about the final, so-called final details, uh, the memorial service, and so on. And as they become available, we'll let them. We'll get the information out. Um, As has been mentioned earlier, this has been a hard week for us. On Tuesday, Gary suffered a massive heart attack, and uh, the paramedics. And the ER staff struggled to resuscitate him. His heart shut down three or four times. And what that means is that his brain was without oxygen for probably about an hour and a half. And you know that the brain cannot exist without oxygen for more than three minutes. I believe we need to be prepared to release Gary into the lord's hands. The Lord is the one who determines our times and seasons to begin with, and just take some time over the last over the next week or so um, to seek the lord's comfort individually and and uh, corporately as a congregational mishpacha, particularly if you have gotten to know Gary. And uh, by the way, uh, assuming that we will have a memorial service sometime in the next week or so, um, we will have a corporate time for us to share our memories and remember Gary as a family, along with, along with his family. So today I'm just sharing some thoughts personally, but be aware of the fact that there will be an opportunity for us to get up and praise God and give thanks for how we've been impacted over Gary's uh, time with us. I don't remember exactly how many years. He's been with us for a while uh, and he was a lovable character, um, quirky, as was uh, mentioned by Michael. Uh, you kind of got the impression that sometimes he was New Covenant in the morning, New Covenant in the evening, etc., anytime he had an opportunity. was either New Covenant or you've got to give thanks. And, um, you know, for the longest time, I, I looked at Gary and said, Gary, are you little little <laughs> Um, Are you really saying that we need to say, thank you, Lord, for this absolutely, positively miserable time that I'm going through? And um, because what I see in Scripture is that God expects us to give thanks to Him through whatever season we go through. But, you know, at some point, the the Lord got a hold of me and gave me a clue that maybe Gary was right after all. You know, I stand before you and I'm willing to admit the fact that we all learn, we all stretch. And what I've come to realize is that those difficult circumstances are times that drive us to desperation to seek God. you say amen to that? We have no answers, and we say, Lord, we have no answers. You do. So at which point you say, Lord, thank you for allowing me to go through this absolutely miserable time so that I would be driven to come see you. And I've gotten to know Gary on one-on-one situations at lunch and at the office and also at men's Chavara and on Wednesday night prayer meetings. And I tell you, folks, you really, really get to know people as you listen to them pray. It really tells you what's in the heart. And as I've listened to Gary pray over a number of years, what came through was a deep... And a profound love for God and love for his people, his people, the body of Messiah and the nation of Israel. so I know each of us will miss Gary in a we'll miss him because of the different ways in which we r- he related to us. And together, we will band together and say, Lord, we thank you for bringing this guy, this quirky, lovable teddy bear into our life as a mishpacha. And we give you the honor and the glory for what you did with him and what you did with us through our relationship, through our interaction with him. Let's take a moment and and do that. Avinu malkeinu, your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heavens are greater than the earth, our way above the earth, so your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord God, we, uh, we come and we stand before you as a needy community, we Ask, Lord God, that you would speak to us, that you would comfort us. So then, that through the comfort you give us, Lord, we'll be able to comfort others. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us as we look into your word, and that your word would come alive, and that the words, words, Lord, would jump off the page, and, and that your word would speak to each one of us, And to us as a community, covenant community, Lord God, that we would hear you well, that we would respond, and that we would grow into maturity together in you. We ask this, Lord, in the name of Yeshua, amen. How do you come to terms with difficult situations? It seems that for all of us, life presents a slew of them. I don't know a single individual here who was born with a a silver spoon in his or her mouth, uh, who had gone through life in a bubble, who has had no difficulties. You know, every so often you run into somebody who is immensely blessed and you look at them and you say wow they are really blessed by god and then you wait and something happens difficult circumstances come into the life and you recognize the basic truth and that is that we are all fellow strugglers can you say amen to that And yet, A, God knows that, B, the Lord walks with us through those struggles and gives us hope and encouragement by drawing our attention and our focus to Him. You know what happens when you get into difficult circumstances? The tendency is to see the mountain, and the Mountain of Difficulties, and at some point God gets a hold of your attention, my attention, and says, Look, my mountain is bigger than the Mountain of Difficulties. And furthermore, I have the power to speak to that mountain to make it become flat plain. And as we walk through life, we get the fact that, yes those circumstances come, but that ultimately what really, really rivets our attention is the need for God. Because we recognize at some point that what really matters in our life, what really gives the foundation, what keeps us sane or uh, keeps our wheels humming is knowing that God is in the picture. And as you look closely into this passage that Stephanie read to us, you see that that is the picture that is in view here. want to take a couple of minutes and just lay out some of the details, draw the picture for you. It's a pilgrim song. You remember that the children of Israel were commanded to come to the temple three times a year to celebrate these special festivals. And as you look at some of the details, what emerges is the fact that the people of Israel, uh, these people are somewhere on the road to Jerusalem. And they're not going through a lush valley you know what I mean? They're not coming to a valley where there are beautiful flowers and, and uh, lots of uh, strawberry bushes and et cetera, et cetera, that they can pick. Uh, they're coming to a difficult terrain. And if you know anything about Israel, particularly the environment around Jerusalem, you know, you know exactly what this picture looks like. The Judean hills... Uh, are extremely barren, and off to the east of of those hills, you have an area that that descends into the Dead Sea and is also very barren. And by the way, uh, let me put a plug for the trip to Israel that uh, Helen Dallaire, Dr. Dallaire, will be conducting. You probably have plenty of students at this point, but in any event, when you see it, you recognize the picture that they have in mind, that this uh, author has in mind here. And what's important to remember is that this is a song, you know, just like one of the troubadours today, you know, Bob Dylan-esque or in the more current variety, would sit and play their guitar or sit at the piano and come up with a song. In this case, they were the sons of Korach um, and we know from other uh, passages particularly in in, uh, 1 Chronicles that they were the ones who were given the responsibility to guard the entrance to the sanctuary. You think, well, what's the big deal? It's not as if they are given the special duty to come and minister before God. Well, think about it this way. Uh, Do you really want crackpots and people who are disturbed and who have bizarre notions to barge into God's temple? No. You want to have someone who is is passionately uh, committed to seeing to it that God's sanctuary is properly taken care of. Like the folks who come in every Shabbat and and who set up our sanctuary it's a very very important um, responsibility and by the way we have a number of songs written by the sons of Korach and they all convey to you a, a passionate desire to hang out with God and they also typically talk about, God, life is difficult. On one hand, it's very Jewish, on one hand. On the other hand is, yes, life is difficult, but yes, I know your control. I want to hang out with you. I love you. Uh, No, I'm not in a bubble. Especially in Psalm 46, the writer of the song says, God, even when the mountains slide into the sea... Now think of, of, of our 14ers, you know, long speak, sliding into the sea and, and, and the absolute uh, terror and confusion that, that would bring about. Even then, they say, no. Yes, this is happening. Facts on the ground. Yes, God is in control. And this is the image you get from, from these f- writers, from the sons of Korah, whoever exactly they were, A passionate heart for God. Beginning verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. The Hebrew word there, Yedidot, can be translated love song. So it's not just, God, your house is pretty looking and very impressive. But rather, your house is beloved. Solomon, for example, was called Yedidia, the one who is beloved of God. And so you get the impression that the person who is writing this conveys a passionate heart to hang out with God, to be in God's presence. And as you step back a little bit, you you have to say, well, why do they have this passionate heart for God? And at some point you get the fact as we all do, that if you have a heart for God, if you love God, it is because at some point in your life you had that aha moment when you recognized how much God loves you. And so the only sensible response is to say, God, you love me. You shouldn't. I'm a bozo. And I'm a sinner. But you love me. And so the natural response is just to Open your heart and say, Lord, I love you. I love you. And by the way, the sons of Korach have this ugly, ugly heritage with their forefather Korach who rebelled in the desert and was zapped by God. So they know about about God's chesed. How lovely... How beloved are your dwellings of God, where you hang out. My soul, verse 2, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Hebrew word there, kala means I faint with, with a, a longing or I'm incomplete until I'm able to come into your presence. And I cry out with that, with that emotion. Lord, I've got to be with you. And folks, I'll tell you, this week, with all that has been taking place, at some point I, I had to stop and I had to say, Lord, I need to go pray. I need to go see you. Plum out of answers. Do you know what I'm talking about? When life gets so intense, so overwhelming, And you get bone dry and you say, Lord, I'm hungry for your presence. My soul yearns, even feigns for the courts of my God. That's me, says the writer. And then he explains that that's the only sensible thing to do. In fact, even a bird brain knows... That you need to hang out with God. Think about it. You know, we, we know that much of the brain of a bird is taken up with the need for vision. You know, that's survival. You have to be able to see and spot um, your food and also your, your predators. The writer says, even a sparrow, you know, a little sparrow with a tiny little brain knows that this is where you go. Not just you know, to have a, uh, a nest in the, uh, under, uh, under the roof of the temple, but to, to build a nest right near the altar, which, is, which symbolizes the place where people come to worship, to bring their offerings. Even a bird understands that then he states, blessed are those who dwell in your house. What does it mean to be blessed? You know, we speak about blessing, Baruch Adonai on Shabbat in, through the Torah service. The two words for blessing. One is the word that's used here, Ashrei, means in essence... This is kind of the Urbach paraphrase, so please bear with me. Uh, it's taking action that puts you on the escalator of blessing towards God's favor. Because typically these words have to do with the fact that someone, somebody does an action that is pleasing to God and renders him or her to receive God's favor. For example, Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk with the, with the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And by the way, this is very special here. Ashrei is mentioned three times here. Blessed is the man who, whose strength is in you. In verse 5, blessed is, is the man who trusts in you. So this gives you the impression, folks, that Scripture uh, does not suggest that we do nothing all day long but sit in God's presence. That's just not practically possible. Um, None of us can, including this writer, none of us can go into God's sanctuary and 24-7 be here. But this is referring to an attitude, a frame of mind that says, God, you are the answer to all the questions I have in life. All the questions. Doesn't mean that you're in some kind of an exalted state, which, by the way, we will be at some point. And that's, that's the, the goal for us Is we're heading that direction. What a prospect. In the end of the book in Revelation says, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is excuse me, the lamb is its lamp. Somehow, at some point when all is said and done, folks, you and I are going to be in God's presence uninterrupted. And all the mess and all the junk and all the upheaval and all the sin and all the sickness, all of that will be gone away. You can say that the highest good for us is to long for the time when we're going to be completely in God's presence. And at the end of the song... He puts it this way, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. This is verse 10. In the house of my God than dwell in tents of the wicked. I like what Eugene Peterson in the message, how he describes it very graphically. I would rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be an honored guest in a palace of sin. It speaks of a heart, folks, you know, and and you step back and you have to say, what in life matters the most to me? If you were to take a a, um, a sheet of paper or some electronic gizmo and put the top 10 things in your life that matter the most to you, where would God be in the picture? And I'm not asking for a show of hands here. Um, Just ask yourself, is he at the top, at the middle, or at the bottom? At some point, as God works on us, we are like pots of clay. He works on (laughs) us. He leads us beside quiet waters. At some point, we begin to get it. That the greatest thing in our life is our relationship and our connection with God Amen. on one hand, on the other hand, life is a pilgrimage, folks. you know you may have heard of Pilgrim's Progress, a very famous uh book that describes the life of a believer as someone who is heading towards the celestial city towards. Being in presence of God perpetually. And yet the writer of the song recognizes the fact that life isn't always peaches and cream. You know, this week, those of us who have been informed and distressed about Gary's situation that really came home very clearly. And part of what happens is that we begin our journey with God and we have a hunger for God and we are hit by circumstances. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes circumstances just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And you come to what the writer here calls the Valley of Bacha. And this is typical, uh, typical in the sense of whenever you have something that's not very clear in, in the original languages. Everybody and their mother wants to weigh in and come up with theories and books. So the, the old version was that this is referring to the Valley of Tears. The veil of tears. Well, the problem is that in Hebrew, the word doesn't look exactly like the word for tears. So then other folks talked about that this is the valley of balsam trees. I've never seen a balsam tree. Have you seen a balsam tree? Um, Because there's one place in Samuel, 2 Samuel that speaks about the balsam trees. Same word. But you know when you look at the context at the picture here what is clear is that regardless of the actual name of this valley it is not a fun place to be I mean that that's the bottom line uh one commentator described it as as a sterile valley of unfruitfulness Perhaps but the point is It's a difficult place, you know. And again, if you know uh, the geography, the topography in 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 the Jerusalem area, you know exactly what this is referring to. You come through valleys where you don't find a lot of water, and you don't find a lot of vegetation. And furthermore, the sun is beating down on you. And please understand that to get to Jerusalem, to the temple, if you come from northern Israel uh, by the Lebanese border, you're traveling for a good two or three days by foot. You have to have a pretty strong conviction and and a desire to, to get to Jerusalem. Otherwise, you would say, who needs this? I'm out of here. And say, uh, I got things to do, people to see, back home, I'm heading back to, to my farm. So the facts on the ground are difficult. It's not a place where you, you know, where you can come and pick a fruit here, pick a fruit here, and bend down and there's a wonderful flowing, cool mountain stream. And yet... What the writer says is that they they pass through the valley of Baha, they make it a place of springs. What does that mean? Are they involved in some kind of mind over matter? You know, I think uh, cool springs, therefore cool springs appear. It obviously is referring to something that takes place inwardly, spiritually, somehow they are refreshed by the presence of God. And perhaps somehow physically God sees to it that they have the right kind of provision. And we see lots of examples of that um, in Israel's travel as they went from place to place during the desert. And then the writer also speaks about the, the showers, the rain, the autumn rains that somehow God sees fit to come and to em- envelop them with this water. And this really jumped out at me. I, I hope it does the same thing for you, that as we walk through the Valley of Baha. For many of us who knew Gary, this was the likelihood of him going to be with Yeshua. The hard reality, folks. And we seek God, and yet somehow in the midst of that, the Lord sets us down and comforts us and encourages us, refreshes us. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. You know, we don't have 10 easy steps. Um, There is no CD or DVD that we plug in anywhere that makes it happen. Somehow God gets a hold of us and and we are encouraged and refreshed. And that's the picture you have here in verse 7 that the pilgrims go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion, till they get done with the pilgrimage. Hebrew word there for strength is a very expressive one. In case you didn't notice, um, I enjoy Hebrew. Not just because it was my native; it's my native tongue, but it's very expressive biblically. You know, and strength here can mean valor as someone who fights, um, as a warrior. It refers to might, the ability to overcome, and strength and power. I need that. I don't know about you all. I sure need that. Strengthening from God to persevere and to press through circumstances. It's a very strong word, chayil, that refers to God rolling up his sleeves and getting to work. Psalm 118, the Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things speaks about the fact that God has all the power in the world. Do you agree with that? God has all the power in the world. He has all the strength, all the power that you and I need to do, not what we feel like doing, but what He has laid out for us to do. You know, sometimes we come to God and we say, Lord, I have a strategy, I have an agenda, um, I need this, this, and this from you. Would you please give me the power, the strength so I can get on with my program? Thank you, God. I'm gone. You know, uh, don't you get the impression that God is a little narrow minded? That He might not just be delighted to collaborate with our strategy that maybe what he's looking for is for you and I to collaborate with his strategy. He gives us strength. Why? So that we can do what he's called us to do so we can persevere and accomplish what he's planned out for us to do. Just like James earlier today referred to the pattern that was given to Moses for the tabernacle that was spelled out And then God provided everything else that needed to go along with it. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. By the way, we're not talking perfection here. Perfection exists in one place. It sure is not down here. The Hebrew word tamim has a sense of perfect, in a sense of innocence and, and uprightness and blameless. In other words, it refers to the fact that your nose is being pointed in the r- in the correct direction. Doesn't mean that you're right on target every single time, because none of us are. None of us is. <coughs> but rather that we receive from God the courage, the chutzpah, to persevere, to press on through the different circumstances that are put before us. We're upright, and God gives us the ability to persevere. And reality, folks, sometimes you look at this and... The facts on the ground are poles apart from what you see here in Scripture. That's reality. You know, I remember sitting and having lunch with my good friend Ed Tafalowski. And uh, I was going through a real rough time there. And Ed quoted this Scripture to me, and it just kind of stuck in my craw. Just kind of, Huh? Didn't quite know what to do with it. And, uh, and I went home and was confronted with, with a basic choice. I can either say, this verse is a pile of nonsense. It's, it's an absolute lie. It's foolishness. It bears no reality. Or I could say, Lord, here's my reality as it exists right now. Facts on the ground. Here is your reality, as you state. I receive the truth of your reality, and somehow am confident that you're going to put things together. Don't know how, but you will. And at some point, that became my mindset that the Lord is indeed a sun and a shield, He is our protector, He's the one that lights our path, He bestows. Favor and honor. Why are you and I able to persevere to do the business that God gives us to do on a day-to-day basis? Is it because we're so strong and so clever? I think not. And so yes, we find ourselves in the valley of Bacha. It's difficult stretch. For each of us, it looks different. Because we are unique, we're wired differently, and so God sees fit to allow difficult circumstances to come into our life. And we go through those valleys. But yet, because we get to know who God is, We get to know what he is like. We get to know about his power and his provision. We have a basic foundational conviction that anchors us and keeps us from blowing all over the place like tumbleweed because we know that rain and shine, God is with us. And we see every single circumstance in life as an opportunity for us to grow in Him, to see Him at work, to see that played out in the life of other people around us. Because we believe the truth of Scripture, particularly here in, or in 1 Corinthians 2, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God has a plan for you? Do you know that He's in control in the midst of all the bizarre and difficult and complicated situations you go through? Do you know that He has the power that you need to accomplish what He's laid out for you? Do you know that He has the wisdom that you need to navigate through all the minefields. As you do, you persevere, you hang on to the Lord. And you are like these pilgrims that you say, Lord, how magnificent, how lovely, how beloved is your dwelling place. Lord, I want to hang out with you. And as our dear brother, you would say that these circumstances, the difficult circumstances, are opportunities for us to grow in our love relationship with the Lord, to see what He does, what He is going to do, and to learn to walk with Him, to grow with Him, to mature in our relationship with Him, and to see to it that what he does with us impacts other people. Because that's part of the plan. You know, we're traveling on on this road, and it's sometimes a difficult road, But the challenge for us simply is: where where is our nose? Where are our noses pointed? Where are we looking? Where are we looking? And as we grow together, as we heal in this circumstance. As we receive the comfort from the Lord we know that this will impact other people. I want to close with this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Father of compassion the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're not just looking for God to get us through, we're looking for the Lord to strengthen us and to have that as a powerful, invita- uh, powerful and attractive invitation to others to come and join us. The Lord calls on us to go forth and to prepare the ground for others to join us as well. Let's pray. Father God, El Mal God of all compassion and all mercy. We thank you, Lord God, that you know each one of us. Our circumstances, Lord, where we struggle, where we, where we do well and where we fail, we thank you, Lord God, that Nothing surprises you. We thank you, Lord God, that you have already been where we're going and that you have plans and that you are going before us, Lord. We, we praise you for that mystery. We pray, Lord God, for eyes to see you Lord God, not to be fixated on the mountain or mountains of difficulty, but Lord God, to see you and to crave and long to be in your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you know each one of us where we struggle in this area, where we don't know how to set time aside and be quiet in your presence. We pray, Lord God, for special instruction this week. Lord God, that your ruach would lead us into all truth and teach us, Lord God, how to lie down in green pastures, how to enjoy being in your presence so that we'll be able to say how lovely, how beloved are your dwelling places. Pray for each one of us, Lord God, for that transformation to come about. We pray, Lord God, for Gary's family, we pray, Lord God, for your comfort for them, especially for Jesse's youngest son. And we pray, Lord God, that as we walk through this time, we pray that what you do in our heart as a mishpacha, Lord God, would spill over and would touch the lives of other people. So that you will receive the honor and the glory, Lord, in us, And through us, we pray, Lord God, that each one of us, Lord, would hear from you today, Lord, and respond in Yeshua's name. Amen.